yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You know what you're thinking. Mine's bigger than yours, right? It's not fair. Throw it away. All right? Welcome to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of low-budget cinema. The sleep of reason gives birth to monsters. Hi, my name's Chris, and along with Jeff, we're bringing you the very best and worst of horror, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic wasteland, kung fu, and women in prison movies from the 1960s to today. Check us out at reallyawfulmovies.com, part of the Crypt TV family. I don't think you understand. I didn't come here to rescue Rambo from you. I came here to rescue you from him. Well, we all appreciate your concern, Colonel. And we'll try to be extra careful. I'm just amazed that he allowed any of your posse to live. Is that right? Strictly speaking, he slipped up. You're lucky to be breathing. That's just great. Colonel, you came out here to find out why one of your machines blew a gasket. You don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. With a man who's the best. With guns, with knives, with his bare hands. A man who's been trained to ignore pain. Ignore weather. To live off the land. To eat things and to make a bully goat puke. In Vietnam, his job was to dispose of enemy personnel. To kill. Period. Win by attrition. Well, Rambo was the best. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 152, First Blood. Sylvester Stallone, and after enduring so many terrible films lensed in British Columbia, we are finally vindicated here by a real cracker, an action movie uh, that's top drawer, upper echelon, kick ass. We have the novel here, so it's you can't question how much this has influenced both of us. The incredible First Blood. Yeah, it's so funny you said that because I remember, you know, I'm almost breaking a promise right now because way back when, <laughs> when we podcasted one of these shitty, yeah, it might have been Hunt to Kill, yeah, yeah. I think it was Hunt to Grace or Hunt to Woo yeah. or whatever, or it could have been Firestarter, Firestorm, whatever that fucking yeah. long, long vehicle was, and we were doing our uh, patented What Did We Learn segment, and I say, oh, it's not what did I learn, it's what I am vowing, and I will never, ever, ever podcast another film that's purported to take place in the United States of America that's lens in the, I will admit, gorgeous scenic mountains and mm-hmm. forests of Vancouver. But that was more of the straight-to-video schlock. Yeah, Not yeah. the granddaddy of them all, as far as I'm concerned. Rambo, well, 
retroactively now called Rambo yeah, First Netflix, Blood. Yeah, on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, but it's not Rambo First Blood. This is First Blood from 1982. Yeah, and Rambo has become basically Kleenex. Like, it's a brand himself. Mm-hmm. No more, like, tissue paper or whatever. That's why they had to retroactively name this thing, because I wanted to be him on Halloween as a little kid. Rambo is in the trilogy and then the subsequent 2008 reincarnation. One of the incredible, indelible, well, he's a, kick-ass action he's heroes of all time. He really is, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in the top three for sure. Well, I was going to say, he's on the Mount Rushmore. He's in the top five, if not number one. I mm-hmm. mean, when you think of iconic action heroes, especially of the 80s, no image comes to mind more quicker than John Rambo, with a bullet bandolier, oh. shirtless, <laughs> scarred, headband. And just something flashed by, you know, Superman versus Batman, so I reversed that. I was thinking, oh my God, Paul Kersey in Death Wish versus Rambo. Yeah. What if they put them together and it's like, oh Rambo my God. Blown out of the water. <laughs> Who knows? That, he has that bazooka on the cover of, uh, of Rambo first. You, you can't two. take away the caginess and the guile of Paul Kersey. Put those two in the jungle? Yeah. I'm not yeah. in the urban jungle. Okay, okay, yeah. Oh, that would be, yeah, that would be something. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, what, that's the iconic image of an action hero. So much so that when they made those movies, and I haven't seen them, but, I mean, I've seen I've many clips and shows over the year with uh, Charlie Sheen, those hotshot yes, uh, yeah, it was a, parodies, d- hotshot yeah. part, uh, and part d- yeah. they would parody. Yeah, between this and Mel Gibson, it was all that. Rambo. Yeah, yeah. UHF, Weird Al Yankovic, mm-hmm. again, parodied Rambo. And this was the character of Rambo from First Blood Part Two, as well as Rambo Three. Yeah, not to be confused with the existentialist poet Arthur Rambeau, well, and it's not a... to be confused with First Blood, the uh-huh. short story by F. Scott Fitzgerald. So, like, there are. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. wait. You're talking literary uh, yeah, influences yeah. now. Now, interestingly enough, because I got the book right here. Yeah. Right. This is the, this is David Morrell, 1972. He wrote the novel First Blood, and it says here on the cover, on my paperback, the book that introduced Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are many similarities to the movie, but there's a lot of differences too, which I may get into a bit as we continue our discussion. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned Rimbo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Rimbo, yeah. The, the, the author. Yeah, the poet. The poet, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, that is actually the inspiration for the name of the character. That's where Morel got the name of the inspiration uh, for, for the name Rambo from. That is incredible. Yeah. Uh, my mind is blown. Uh, Wow. And then you said there was a short story? By F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yes, which I haven't read, and I, I really, really dug, obviously, his most famous, The Great Gatsby, and I've only course, read yeah. two chapters of Tender as the Night about the mm-hmm. dissolution of his marriage, but I've not read the short story by F. Scott Fitzgerald. I'm dying to read this New York Times best-selling Morel dog tag survival knife cover. Uh, not the greatest cover I've ever seen of a novel, the truth be told, but mm-hmm. that that is so cool. And when we were discussing earlier the differences between this book and the movie, mm-hmm. like I want someone to redo it in this guy's vision because that Morel's would be a totally vision. Morel's vision would be a totally different beast. It'd be so exciting. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris, I will lend you the book. Nice. After we're done recording this podcast, I think you'll really enjoy it. Funny though, and this is a bit of a tangent, but because you know we're going from like. Hot shots and UHF <laughs> and you know bullet bandoliers yeah. and ultra machismo, jingoistic Reagan era eighties action figures to F. Scott Fitzgerald, yeah, fed French poets, yeah, and French poets. <laughs> but I mean, I I worship the Great Gatsby, the novel. I think it's one of my absolute favorite novels. Not my favorite, but it's up there in the top five, if not top ten. You know, yeah, for sure. Confederacy, Dunces, Catching the Rye, those are indeed my yeah. absolute favorites, but. 
I have not read anything else by Fitzgerald. As much as I love The Great Gatsby, I've not read anything else. I've seen many film incarnations of The Great Gatsby. Not one has really truly satisfied me. But I've not read Tender as a Night or this short story you now Yeah, well, now, now we've got lots of reading on our plate. Yeah. So we've launched this podcast ostensibly about this monosyllabic moron in the woods just fighting for his life. Mm-hmm. And, you know... True to form for our podcast, what we've been known for, we're dropping the literary references okay. right in. Mm-hmm. But I take umbrage you calling him a moron. Okay, well, as depicted in here, he's kind of, he's not, he's got a moral compass, and different from the book, I guess he does spare lives, and in the book you told me that the body count was in keeping with, like, Jason Voorhees or something. He like, is Jason Voorhees, yeah. he's psychopathic, he hunts down people in the book. He kills at least 20 people in cold blood. Truman Capote. There's yeah, well, there we go. Yeah, there there right. yeah. Whereas <laughs> in the novel, and, and this is Stallone rewriting the character to make him a lot more sympathetic and a lot more of an underdog, he really only... Because it's funny, because I mean, the, the body count is huge in the Rambo, not trilogy now, but I guess quadrilogy with uh, the 2000... Oh, yeah, it's got to be well over. Yeah, hundreds, in the hundreds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in... Rambo, and I keep saying Rambo First Blood, but I, and I hate myself for saying that. <laughs> yeah. In First Blood, the body count is four. O- only four people die, and not one is a cold-blooded, premeditated kill. No. It's either it's self-defense and or an accident. He spares lives in the movie. In the novel, he hunts people down. He takes out lives because... He wants to show his antagonist, this Sheriff William Teasel, played by Brian Dennehy. In yeah, the he wants to show him who's boss. What, and, and, yeah. and then there's a terrific line where he's in the forest and he says, out here, I'm the law, or something to that effect. I mean, there's so many incredible well, yeah, lines in there. Like, out there, in, no, in town, you're the law. Yeah. Out here, Because <laughs> yeah. that's his element, right? That is his that's element. Enough. And uh, we're introduced to him speaking of humanizing this... Uh, Green Beret killer. I almost want to break into the ballad of the Green Beret, but maybe I'll just add it in, in into the into the intro of the podcast. Mm. Fighting soldiers from afar. Okay, never mind. Uh, he comes into the film, uh, and he's got a picture of his comrade, mm-hmm. and he's trying to find out what happened to this Delmore, African American guy, fought in his unit. Finds the guy's. It turns out widow because the poor. Bastard has succumbed to Agent Orange-related illness. Right. Well, okay, so, so when we first see this figure, he's a lone wolf, a solitary figure, walking down the highways of ostensibly the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like a western. You know, you got them at the. It's like the man who shot Liberty Valance. Yeah. Like the guy just walks into town, and yeah, yeah. it's. And um, some would say, hey, oh, he's a vagrant walking to town, and he's actually called that later on. But really, he's going to town with a purpose. He wants to look up an old war buddy, Delmar. Now, yet again, this did not happen in the book. Okay, this was a scene that was added uh, post priori mm. to make Rambo more of a sympathetic figure. But yeah, he goes and he's and he asks the widow, well, where's Delmar? And she's very dismissive. He ain't here. He ain't yeah. here. And as Rambo presses, he pushes, he asks more questions. Um, you get a sense that this is a really lonely man and he really wants to see his friend. Yeah, and it was very sweet when he finds the news. He takes the picture, which is he's clearly kept for years and years. This, this little tiny black and white image, and he gives it to the widow, and it was very touching. It was sweet, very charming. Sweet but sad. You almost yep. think like he's been clutching onto this picture 
for all these many years since the war ended, and he's uh, yeah. And there's another yeah. He says he was so big they had to put him in the back, and it's yeah. just yeah, very touching. And you can tell that the widow was pleased to see this too, because anytime you have a connection to a deceased, I mean, she it conjures up images of, and it shows how you know how the lives he touched too. So it was a great scene, but and I, he would yeah. not have thought like mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. But I would say sweet and sad moved. because yeah. in many ways I think this picture was um, Rambo's tether to. Almost better times, because the companionship, the com- camaraderie. Camaraderie, yeah, a sense of purpose. And yeah, then when exactly. you come back and you're being spat on and you have no, your life has no direction and you don't know what to do. And frequently when people come back from the theater of war, mm-hmm. they don't know what to do with themselves. Because what are you going to do, sit in a cubicle and like, you know. After what you've done and, yeah, what you've and gone through, what you've seen. It's, I mean, PTSD is a big thing now. But this movie in 82 and the book 10 years prior in 72 addressed ptsd well before it was actually given the name Mm -hmm. ptsd and yeah i mean agent orange was something that you know was very controversial in the vietnam war and that's what delmar succumbed to so rambo's purpose for entering this town i believe the town's uh it was called hope yeah which is in bc but yeah it's it's hope and it's abandon all hope ye who entered yeah there. fantastic yeah because, ironically named for sure yeah, because there's not much hope mm-hmm. for our hero rambo john j rambo at this point a lone figure we don't really know his name he's sort of like the man with no name <laughs> yeah. and as he's walking down the road crestfallen and you get a sense i mean in the book there's the narration of rambo the inner monologue, and he was rousled, is that a word? Yeah, rustled, that rustled, was, whatever. Was, yeah, whatever, he, he, was, was, he was turfed. He was turfed from like mm-hmm. 15 different towns, because he really was like a really sort of like... Yeah, he was a, he was a shit disturber and a troublemaker. Not, not so much... Uh, and, well, just, just someone... He was a hippie. Yeah. Yeah, he was someone who came back and had no purpose, and just, you know... Would go what you would call here, no fixed address. Like, what, what they call in the States a drifter, but there's no yeah, yeah, positive exactly. connotation. Yeah. They usually when a serial killer, it's like they find them no fixed address. But yeah, yeah. and and he meets this this sheriff in in the book uh, Teasel and in the movie as well, played terrifically by the fearsome, hulking presence of the incredible Brian Dennehy. Amazing. And this is, and this is interesting too because as I was watching this movie last night for you know the millionth time, but in preparation this podcast, and I have seen. Brian Dennehy in so many things, yeah. and yet I cannot recall one. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of those character actors that has yeah. such a hulking, looming presence, and he's been in so many things, and yet at this moment, not one credit is coming. And he was the first person that sprung to mind if, if, like, you know, may he rest in peace. (laughs) I thought if they ever were to, and the timeline, you know, worked out, obviously Dennehy right now is in his late 70s, I believe, if the timeline worked out, he would have been the perfect character to play the late Toronto Mayor Rob Ford. (laughs) I thought he would have been just dynamite. Like, he's an amazing actor, and almost for, this is just basically a quasi-exploitation film in a way, and it does not deserve in some ways, the amazing performances in this thing. Like, between him and Richard Crenna, who we'll talk to later, the mentor and the colonel of of John J. Rambo. I mean, the performances are incredible. And uh, Sheriff... Teasel picks him up in and his car. I, I don't want you to discount the performance of Stallone. Oh, oh, yeah, great! And this was pre-bulky Stallone that you get from like Rocky Four and Five, and mm-hmm. this and even Rambo tr- First Blood Part Two. Oh, yeah, he was just starting to, uh, I guess. He was uh, still in the in the mode of Svelte. Rocky, mm-hmm. where he was. 
He had a bit of muscle tone, but he, he wasn't uh, completely roided up. Like, something almost looks like... I mean, he's a small man in Stallone, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he looks like he, you know, he almost belongs in, like, you know... A WWF ring or something, but yes. in his early <laughs> well, days, yeah, yeah, he was he was solidly built, but he was not like you know, yeah, he wasn't hulking. And he this is an aside too. I, yeah. I want I was going to approach you to podcast this movie called Requiem for a Heavyweight, which is about a boxer who had a successful career and mm-hmm. then ends up donning a Native American headdress and doing these two-bit wrestling shows as his career faltered. And I thought that would have been as because as much of a Rocky fan as you are, oh. and it, how it de- degenerated I'm into worried. wrestling, this yeah. would have been a neat film to see. So maybe from the '60s, Requiem for a Heavyweight. But but yeah, like Stallone's performance is amazing. He's quiet, taciturn. Just uh, uh, terrific. And then the ending breaks your heart. But we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. And the th- another thing about Stallone is people don't give him enough credit. He's a lot smarter than people give him credit for. People, you know... He's, he's a better a, actor than you give him credit yeah. for because a part of... Well, part of being a smart person is knowing your limitations. And he knows that he's not going to be playing King Lear. Like, he doesn't really have the gift of gab. He's not Cary Grant or anything. He's, he's a quiet guy who has a certain presence and there's certain roles that are perfect for him and he knows how to choose them. He rarely like falters in that regard. And so. because of the characters he, he has played, because of his image and persona in the 80s, in other movies such as, you know, Cobra or Mock-Up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. these are movies yeah. I love, you know, they, they, and he often plays a character that's not so bright. So people often use the adjectives like meathead or any others, you know, uh, similar adjective yeah. to indicate someone who has more brawn than brain. But Stallone is, and I'm talking about Stallone, the man, not the not not the character. He is a smart guy. He wrote the screenplay for Rocky. That movie won Best Picture yeah. in 1976. He doctored the screenplay for this one. There are amazing lines in Rocky. There are amazing, hilarious lines in this one. Um, really, really interesting, poignant moments in both those movies. And Stallone, he really knows how to work with characters. He really knows a lot about characterization. So I think that Stallone is unjustly derided in Hollywood. I kind of worship the man. He's one of my, he's one of my heroes growing up, and he still is one of my heroes. I worship Rocky, and I worship Rambo, and I kind of I like what they became to a certain extent. They represent something else entirely. I'm talking about both characters, Rambo, because those are, when you think Sloan, you think Rocky and, or Rambo. What, you don't think Copland? Well, okay. <laughs> that was a good movie, but it's not the first time. Stop on my room on the shoe. Rhinestone, yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was a good podcast. Dude. Yeah, it's, he's, he's, he's terrific. They call me <laughs> Drunken Style. Yeah. yeah. He did make a few uh, wonky choices, uh, you know, over the years, but anyhow. But like JCVD, he's invariably charming. Like, he's yeah. just terrific. Like, and now I totally forget the point I was trying to make. Oh, well, yeah, it's just that he's. He, he, this is the powerhouse performances that are packed into this film, and as he meets up with a sheriff who's offering him a ride as to be a good Samaritan, but ultimately what he really wants is to take this bum out of town. Just wants to him the and drops him at the city limits, and as you said in the book, he it happens multiple times that he keeps coming back, so yeah. like... Like, uh, I don't know, herpes or something. That's a terrible analogy, but never mind. He's dropped off at the city limits of Hope, British Columbia. He wanders back in. Well, that's where it's filmed, but it was yeah, and Pacific Hope is somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, in Washington State or something. But he's heading to Portland. Yeah, yeah, and he walks back in almost defiance of the lawman who dropped him off. But, it's again, it's interesting because in the book, he 
is taken out of town. He comes back. He sits at a diner. He orders a cheeseburger. The sheriff walks in and says, better make that to go. Tells him to leave again. He comes back. He keeps coming back. He's basically pushing, right? Whereas in the movie, he says to the sheriff, for their very first encounter in the car, why are you pushing me? Because And you get it's, it's more inference. You yeah. get a sense that this is a man that's been, ever since he came back from Vietnam, ever since he came back from the war, he has felt displaced and he has been treated as someone displaced. So he's been pushed from city to city. You don't belong here. You're not welcome here. He's a man looking for... A home, yeah. A home for belonging. He's, that's why he was looking for, I think, his... his what, Delmar was the name? Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's an isolated... Uh, he's rudderless. He's yeah. anchorless. And you get a sense when you watch Stallone kind of taken to the city limits and Tiesel saying, okay, <laughs> yeah. enjoy your journey. Yeah. And when he turns back, you, you sort of see the machinations going on in the brain like, you know what? No, I've had enough of this. I'm heading back into town. For sure, and you know he's got a point too. His habeas corpus rights are violated. He's he's just there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. He's wandering around with his rucksack and just he's a free man. He's a free autonomous individual. Sheriff Teasel uh, goads him into this confrontation. Uh, you know he's he's obstinate. He fights back a little bit verbally. So well, finally he takes some done, trumped up charges into the city joint. He's and extremely obstinate in the novel, but. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, uh, as we were discussing this before we hit record, that it's interesting how when Teasel first encounters, encounters Rambo, yeah. Rambo is not deferent at all to No, as the way most soldiers are. Yes, sir, no, sir. They're very polite. He mm-hmm. really isn't. He's, he's had his fill of yeah. dealing with authority but figures. But at the same time, he's not confrontational. He doesn't. He kind of doesn't look him in the eye. He just sort of answers monosyllabically <laughs> and disinterestedly, almost resigned. Teasel sort of says to him, why don't you give yourself a, a haircut in the shade? Yeah. And that made me laugh, because in the novel, and I, I, again, I have, it's been a couple of years since I've read the novel, yeah. but they describe Rambo. He was much more of a... Born on the 4th of July. Kind exactly. Of, yeah, Dennis Rambo Hopper. Big, yeah. You know, with the long hair, <laughs> yeah. scraggly beard. In this movie, it's just Stallone. With his, pom- yeah, with pompadour. His, his early 80s pompadour, which was on full display in Rocky Three. <laughs> Maybe two days of growth, you know? Yeah. He did not look... If you put him in a three-piece suit... Get a haircut, suit, you hippie. Yeah. If you put him in a three-piece suit, he could have been running for Congress in the early 70s. Yeah, yeah, it's true. A lot true. of people rock those looks. He didn't yeah. look that, uh, that much of a yeah. But all the same, Teasel did not want this subversive element in his town, and he asked to see some ID. Stallone gets upset, or Rambo gets upset, mm. and next thing you know, he's being... Book him. Yeah, book him, Dino, yeah. 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 And, and he's taken to the cop shop, and they they, they made some sort of the, the fellow cops there. I can't remember the exact line, but it's like, oh, what sort of uh, rough and tumble figure do you have here? Mm. And from that moment on, just being treated like absolute shit for doing nothing. Mm. They're they're arresting him for vagrancy, resisting arrest, what have you. And it's humiliating enough that he's being arrested for doing absolutely nothing wrong. But the way they treat him is abysmal. Yeah, well, as a, it's an analog to the way they were treated en masse by the populace. So it's, yeah, he figures, well, he doesn't consider himself a hero, but he thinks, geez, I'm wearing the Stars and Stripes, I serve my country, and then I come back, and my rights are violated, and I, I'm here I am in this two-bit jail being subjugated by a bunch of 
ruffian, no goodnik, hillbilly hick cops. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was terrible. And they, they but tr- I'm also thinking about the processing, right? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. You have very these, demeaning. These other cops, right? One is Mitch, and he's played by a very young David Caruso, David Caruso yeah. who later went on to be a star of NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. One of those movies. shows, yeah, or CSI uh, or something. Oh, whatever. it was NYPD. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, alongside Dennis Franz, and another character by the name of Galt. Now, Caruso shows a bit of sympathy towards towards this young um, soldier. Well, mm-hmm. he doesn't even know he's a soldier until he finds the dog pack. Yeah, they rip it off him, and yeah. he's like, you can't treat this guy like but that. It's like, but it's like, come on, yeah, this guy might be here, come on. But, he, you know, but whereas Galt is a complete obstinate jackass, he's hitting him with, with a baton. They're showering him down in a... Hosing him down, yeah. Exactly. Hosing <laughs> yeah. him down like he's some sort of circus elephant. Yeah. <laughs> they, they strip him naked, and yeah. you see the bare buttocks alone getting yeah. sprayed with this yeah, yeah, very, just a, you know, highly pressurized mm-hmm. water hose, mm-hmm. and they also want to give him a shave with a straight razor. Now, as yeah. he's... And we, yeah, no, I know, I know. Dangerous stuff. They could go all Sweeney Todd on him. And he's fighting the straight razor shave, as anyone would. And they don't even handcuff him and put him in a chair. They they try and shave him while he's standing up. Mm -hmm. And and then he starts flashing back to his horrible time in Nam being, uh, you know, uh, incarcerated by the Viet Cong. And then that's when he snaps. And as you said, uh, you told me earlier in the book... He commandeers the straight razor and slashes Galt through the neck and leaves him to Not bleed like neck, a pig. Through the gut. Oh, oh, I see. Through okay. The stomach. He disembowels mm. a guy. Yeah. Well. Wow. And then he makes his escape. Whereas. Whereas in, here it's all sanitized and the cops. Yeah. None of them die. Oh, sorry. The, the novel as well. The mm-hmm. depiction of him naked, a la Eastern Promises or something, where yeah. there's a fight scene where he's completely in the well, duff. No, no. Yeah, because when they want to shave him. And again, you know, if they would have just come in with an electric razor, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it would have survived. Yeah, yeah. But and again, we're talking about the novel here. Yeah. Uh, Rambo is in the buff. He's in the altogether. And when he disembowels uh, Galt, and then he runs out of the cop shop, jumps on the motorcycle into the mountains, just like in the movie, but he's butt naked. So Incredible. That yeah. doesn't happen in the, uh, in the movie. He does get these flashbacks to uh, his days in Vietnam. I believe we even get a sense he might have been a POW at one point. Oh, for sure, because when they're about to hose him down, they notice all the abuse that he's undertaken, mm-hmm. and they, they remark, is like, look at the slash marks that are on his back and chest. Like, this dude has been through something. But as a Green Beret, as a Special Force guy, mm. he was designed. Yeah, for, yeah. But the, the worst of the worst, but... What I found hilarious was the the poor staff, the slowest sporting yeah. the game, <laughs> yeah. a handlebar, you know, in those flashback scenes. Yeah. And there's a, a hilarious deleted scene, which I have in my Blu-ray, where it's him uh, at some sort of lady bar, and he, it's like all of a sudden it, it morphs into some sort of weird, exploited, it's like Stallone's early uh, porn film that he made. Yes. And with this porn staff, he picks up this uh, Vietnamese hooker, and they... they go back and make sweet sweet love and uh wow. very interesting scene glad they cut it out because totally <laughs> it would have been very bizarre there's another scene that they cut which i'm going to talk about later well on. yeah it's hard to if, if they're trying to engender sympathy out of this guy like a, a john who's whoring it up in southeast asia mm-hmm. not good for his image here so yeah and also for presumably for the audience too which would have been us and 13 year old boys or whatever at the time you can't they probably did that for a reason. Yeah, but it, it just did not fit. The yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, regardless, his training, his survival mechanisms 
go into gear. He gets these flashbacks, and he's like, enough is enough, and I'm not going to take any more. And he starts throwing punches, elbows, kicks. There's the obligatory <laughs> kicking someone through a pane of glass. Yeah, perfect, yeah. And he just <laughs> yeah, he beats pulls the, out, of the, yeah. out of the cop shop in this tube of town, commandeers yeah. the motorcycle, and into the force he goes. And that's just a riveting scene. Oh, it was incredible. And he's being chased by all the cop cars in town. And they, I believe at this point, they marshal the forces of a helicopter and the National Guard, the chopper. Well, comes, I mean, it starts, it starts yeah, it off very small, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a small little search party because they don't know, quite know who they're dealing with. And they think that, he, really, he's just a vagrant. And it's not until they start getting some more information and um, Colonel Samuel Troutman, played by Richard Crenna, comes in the picture, they realize just who they're dealing with and that he is, like, the best of the best, I mean, to, to use the ace cliche. Yeah. <laughs> and that they're not the hunters. Um, they're, yeah. they're the ones being hunted. Again, yeah. In the novel, they were really hunted because he... Mm-hmm. Kill twenty of them, and here but, they just make an allusion to it, like it's sending pigeons mm-hmm. to the cat. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the terrific lines in this. But yeah, he's he's out in the forest. He fashions himself uh, uh, some kind of tarp, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, a poncho kind of thing. Out of the dirty tarp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's an action figure I have. It's called Survival Rambo. Yeah. It's, it's, it's him. We're wearing that dirty tarp. Incredible. I've yeah. got many Rambo action figures, and you know, there's like uh, Vagrant Rambo, Rambo being booked Rambo, Survival <laughs> Rambo. Etc. 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 And then I got the Rambo action but They even made a cartoon in the eighties about Rambo. It's amazing. Got to love the eighties. But this is yeah, exactly. Any R-rated movie can be made into a cartoon. <laughs> a la Robocop. A la I don't know, Police Academy, the Friday, whatever. Hmm. Tangent. I digress. Let's get back. You know, I mean, the reality is, First Blood. Yes, it's an action movie, but it's a very sober action movie. It's subdued. Yes, I mean, this is a man. There, he earns his action hero bona fides because at one point. He sews up his own wound, and yeah, only which is... the toughest of the toughs <laughs> up their own wounds. Yeah, you uh, have to be Schwarzenegger or Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis nobody hard you have to, yeah. yeah. And, of course, he's in the jungle, and that's the natural element, and he's camouflaged, and he's doing whatever he can to survive, and he's jumping out at, you know, leaping out at people that are after him. They sent a whole bunch of National Guard weekend warriors after him. Yeah, and then they don't like to take orders because they're like, dude, I, I'm just... This is my volunteer position. I yeah. do this on weekends. I don't want to go in and face this Green Beret monster because in the it, forest. Yeah, because they realize, like, you know, this is, this is just something <laughs> I do for kicks on the weekends, you know? And, and, and also the, the teen hunter who happens by is totally surprised by him, and he's like, oh, crap, and he spares his life. Not in a book. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. There's a lot of differences. Yeah, he just friends. takes the guy's rifle, a hunting, deer hunting rifle, your standard rifle, takes mm-hmm. it, throws it in the bush, gives this guy, this scares the bejesus out of him, but lets mm-hmm. him go, ultimately. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, I, you know, we're not going to, like, describe scene by scene what mm. happens in the forests, in the mountains, in the jungles, but I do think there's one scene that deserves description, and that's the incredible cliff scene. Oh, yeah, incredible. Well, they, they've uh, conscripted a chopper to go hunt the guy, and Galt, who has just got, who just hates being usurped and just being, has it being undermined, his authority undermined by this vagrant. Because Tiesel he, says, bring him in alive. Yeah, bring him in alive, but he wants him dead, and he's standing on the, on the, um, whatever, what, what's the, the rider, or whatever the thing is on the side of the helicopter, and he's trying to get a good shot with his scope and trying to take him out. And in true action movie form, Rambo, Rambo is, is holding, holding on, on by his fingers, a la American Ninja Warrior. Exactly. And then he, this is the obligatory as well, you slip and you're left hanging by one hand and you turn sideways. So your musculature This is a dress be... rehearsal for cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Out, uh, you know, <laughs> mid to late 90s. But, and he, he falls 
off this precipice, and it was incredible. I thought this was so cool because we're so used to seeing these schlocky movies where a dummy is clearly inserted, but this fall was so chillingly realistic. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, what happened to old Sly here during this take? Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so when we see him falling off the side of the cliff, that is uh, a stunt double. But when he then hits the tree, which softens his fall... Almost like Homer Simpson falling. Speaking of people with J as their middle name. Yeah, I mean, Stallone did a lot of his own stunts in this movie, and he sustained a lot of injuries. And in that particular scene, when he falls and hits that tree, he broke three ribs and ruptured his spleen. Yeah, incredible. And you could feel, uh, you know, (laughs) to quote Bill Clinton, you know, I feel your pain. Uh, That's a terrible (laughs) impression. Maybe I'll break out my Stallone one later. But yeah, it was just jarring. And when he's sitting at the base of the tree, like I felt it. I felt all of it. And this scene where he's trying to fight off the guy in the choppers who wants him dead, the sharpshooter. They're shooting at him. He takes a rock and whips it through the windshield of the chopper and strikes the guy. And well, the, it does he strike amazing. the guy or does he strike he, like he strikes the, the, the pilot which causes the Oh either way the he knocks the guy out of the chopper here and tilt and galt falls out of the chopper. That's what kills him, so it's an inadvertent death. Yeah. They yeah. drew first blood. Rambo did not. Okay? Yeah, to quote the film, yeah. And to quote the, the song at the end when uh, Dan Hill sings, it's a very literal theme yeah. song Yeah, the exactly. End, yeah. They drew first yeah. blood. The great Dan Hill. Incredible. You know his other big hit, right? Uh, sometimes when we touch... Was that? I was going to say, can't we try uh, just a little, little bit? bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, how, how I, I don't, I, sometimes when we touch, the image is too much. Okay, that might be something. Oh, yeah. honesty. Okay, whatever it's it is. Yeah. In this one. Is that Dan Hill as well? Oh, my God. So oh, good way, God. It's, it's a long road. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hot as hell when they draw first, first blood. blood. Yeah. You know what? The, I'm going to talk later on about the music in this uh, in this movie. Forget about the theme song. The theme by Jerry Goldsmith, incredible. Yeah, really cool. But and anyhow, um, yeah. Well, and, and as we find out that this guy is no just vagrant lone wolf, but that he's trained in the art of killing. Mm-hmm. The National Guard is called in. We get the incredible figure of of Colonel Troutman, who tries to warn these people with a caveat that you're going to need a. And this is the great line good supply of body bags mm-hmm. because they're pretty dismissive. It's like there's 200 of us. What's one guy going to do against us? But really, that one guy is not just any guy and they should have heeded the warning. Nobody ever heeds warnings but in, in action movies or otherwise or horror films too, but they're just like... Who brings you here, like well, Colonel Troutman? The, the thing, He's, you know, yeah. like what? What do you want? This there man? are so many great lines in this in this movie. And one, one of the lines I love saying, you know, it's like, so what, what kind of God created this? He's like, <laughs> God didn't make Rambo. I made him. <laughs> yeah. Now, interesting, interestingly enough, again, I'm going back to the novel. The novel ends on a very downbeat note, where Rambo is killed by Troutman. Troutman blows the back of his head off, and. Not only that, but Teasel succumbs as well. They were going to change the ending, not so much because they did shoot an ending where Rambo dies, where Rambo is shot, but and Troutman does kill him, but he mm-hmm. grabs, uh, he gives Troutman his gun, and says "kill me," and then as Troutman is sort of, uh, well, he doesn't want to kill Rambo, he doesn't want to kill his charge. Rambo grabs the gun in Troutman's hand, pulls the trigger, and dies. Test wow. audiences. 
poo-poo that. Yeah, I can imagine. Thankfully, a much burning film <laughs> and a franchise was born. Yeah. But because they weren't, they were still going to change the ending. I assume that um, Teasel was going to live or what have you. The original actor that was cast to play Troutman dropped out. That being Kirk Douglas. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to add to the well litany of heavyweights who were. Uh, maybe shortlisted to play this. I mean, my God, people whose first names aren't even required, really. McQueen. Gar- McQueen. Newman. Fucking Garner. Uh, yeah. Eastwood. Yeah. De Niro. Like, fuck. But, Pacino. But, director Ted Kotiff. A good Toronto uh, boy. A good Toronto boy who also directed... Good University of Toronto boy. Who also directed... <laughs> A very, <laughs> weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, of all things. <laughs> what range? But he also directed another uh, war flake that, in many ways, paralleled uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two, Uncommon Valor, a movie that starred Gene Hackman, one of our mutual favorite actors, for sure. And another one of our mutual favorites in Uncommon Valor, Red Brown. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ted Kotev, he said, you know, honestly, there really was no other actor for this than Stallone. Well, so, yes, uh, where were we, man? I, I don't even remember, so. <laughs> Well, it's just, you know, who would have been brought in to take the Krenna role. But, mm-hmm. really, Krenna, this is his defining role in a long story career and tons of things where yeah. he's, again, the, my, the aforementioned, you're bringing pigeons to the cat. But he I, tries to warn them. He has a touching scene where he actually meets Teasel in a bar. And they sit there and Teasel apologizes for, you know, trying to undermine this guy's authority. They drink, I, I believe, wild turkey. Mm-hmm. And it's just... Like, Trumpman knows what a stone-cold killer this guy is, and they will not listen to his authority. I, I don't know why. I have he's just so... Figure in the 80s. Oh, my God. He's so that. smooth. He's so cool. <laughs> he's just... Like, he knows what's going to happen. He's got that knowing air to him. Well, he and trained he did. Rambo. He yeah. knows what he's capable of doing. So, And he knows that, you know, you weekend warriors, you podunk sheriffs, what have you. Oh, yeah, the tension between them is great because mm-hmm. he knows what it's like to have to, again, another great speech, to fight for your life. Whereas if you're a small-town sheriff, sure, it might be dangerous, you might be killed on the job, but you're not fighting for your life. You're mostly booking domestics and whatever else happens in this town. So the tension between the two. And even Troutman calls out his town. And he's probably oh, from the big city. Line, yeah. so you, you and what's, your it gonna, what's it going to say on his tombstone? Uh, uh, war hero, <laughs> Green Beret, Medal of Honor, Kill for Vagrancy, and Dirkwater USA. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great line. So yeah. Great oh, line. that's so cool. Yeah. And I was also going to mention, too, how, you know, again, like, and again, I, I keep drawing parallels to the novel, but Rambo, much less sympathetic in the novel. In the movie, he's trying to survive. It's almost like he, he can't believe the situation he's in. They keep pushing him. He keeps saying, why do you keep pushing me? When they're shooting at him, when he's pretty much almost surrendering after God's death and saying, I did nothing, they're shooting at him. He's got no other choice. So finally, he makes his way back into town, and he starts causing some shit. He starts blowing up a gas station. Yeah, gas station, yeah. And it all ends up with an amazing scene, one of my absolute favorite scenes in, in cinematic history, no hyperbole, <laughs> where he's barricaded in the... Yeah, the center square or whatever or in the it's town. Or a pop shop. Yeah. And Krenna, Trauma says, let me go in there and talk to him. And Stallone delivers, I don't know, a monologue, whatever. Yeah, for sure, yeah. That just breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. It absolutely breaks your heart. Because he is just at his wit's end. And he starts crying over all the people that he lost, all his comrades, all his friends, 
what he saw back then. You know, I was holding him, and he and then he was blown up, and I was yeah. I'm yeah well, a much more compelling speech than Reb Brown's Disneyland speech exactly. was <laughs> cradling the boy in his arms. Yeah, yeah it was it was beautiful. His saying, nothing is over speech. Yeah, and he, he said, you know, in there, I was everything. <laughs> I had all the power. I was commanding, uh, commandeering all these multi-million dollar machines. Here, I'm nothing. I can't even hold down a job. Yeah, they, they say that the war is over. It's not over. It's in here. It's in here every day. You know, and this it just fucking breaks your heart. And this is when, in the original ending, he then wants Troutman to kill him, but no, he ends up, spoiler alert, surrendering, going mm -hmm. off to prison, and a franchise is born, because in part two, he then is released from prison to go on some clandestine mission back into Vietnam. Yeah, of course. Rescue POWs <laughs> so and basically single-handedly <laughs> win the war that the Americans lost. I would have thought he'd been on, on, honorably discharged at that point, but again, uh, they sent him on this mission. Well, yeah, so yeah. All, all gravita, yeah. all you know, silver elements, all philosophical yeah. elements from, uh, from, I don't want to say anymore, from First Blood, were jettisoned for a hypo-machismo 80s yeah, for sure. action flick, which I still love on its own merits. Mm. I also love Rambo 3, where he basically, he basically fights alongside the Taliban. Yeah, yeah. Because at that point, it was the Afghanis it's versus true. the Soviets. It's true. And the Soviets uh, kidnapped Troutman, and he has to go to Afghanistan uh -huh. to help the Afghanis oh, yeah. versus the Soviets and rescue Troutman, and then... Strange bedfellows of geopolitics. That was, yeah, <laughs> that was in 88, and then yeah. 10 years later, he comes roaring back with the kick-ass... Rambo, this time just called Rambo, mm. where he becomes pretty much Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers in the Burmese jungle, <laughs> yes. destroying huh. these soldiers in the most grotesquely gory ways possible. Love the love the series, but love the franchise, love the character, but you know it all starts with this one. And for people that only know Rambo as an archetype, you know the from parts two, three, etc. And they've never seen part four, uh, part one, First Blood. They're going to be very shocked. It's a very different character. Just like if you only know Rocky from parts three and four, when he was the superhero single-handedly winning the Cold War <laughs> in Soviet Russia, and then you watch Rocky one, where he's just this palooka who wants to go to distance. You're going to be very shocked. This is a very different beast of a film, and it's it's just phenomenal. I absolutely love this movie. Before we get to the what have we learned and what not, because there's a lot that I've learned, mm. I will tell you, just give you my star rating, because this is one of my absolute favorite movies as a kid growing up, and even today. So, a lot of it is nostalgia, but I still think it holds up. It's a great action movie. It's a great survival story. It's a great human story with a lot of philosophical underpinnings. I'm giving this four and a half <laughs> you know, uh, Whoa, four and a half. Four well, and I was going to give it three and three quarter. I, I wasn't, there may be the underpinnings, but there's no disquisitions on like, you know, nature, nurture, or the nature of evil or anything. There's not real, a lot of, too much heady talk in it, but yeah, nonstop crackerjack. Oh, the book. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. Just nonstop, amazing action, 92 minutes of taut, macho, ass-kicking survivalist amazing and, amazing and great scenery great cinematography oh yeah for you know, sure it doesn't look dated at all with the yeah. exception of the uh the eng news footage guy who's like you know the camera is a little bit old but you don't know this could have been filmed mm -hmm. five ten years ago it's just so current and, and just and so they, cool they shot like i mean that, that scene he's holding to the cliff and you know the camera pulls back and you see that wide shot yeah that was amazing the, and you know that just incredible i mean and the chase scenes were incredible the, the 
when he's, you know, we've neglected to mention the amazing scene where he's hiding out. You know, there's tons of abandoned mine shafts in, in British Columbia, and he's hiding out, makes a torch for himself, and he tries to, tries to hide in his mine shaft, and it's full of rats. And at one point, he's grabbing rats off his back and throwing mm-hmm. them. It was creepy as hell. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to segue into what we learned now, mm-hmm. I guess. And, uh, again, it's too many lines to n- note, but... One of my favorites as well. Just a great 80s action movie line. Give that man a cigar, which is just great. Where where the the uh, you know weekend warriors are touting their prowess, fighting this guy because one of them had a bazooka and shot and blew up the abandoned mine shaft, and they were high fiving one another, and they're like, "We got him, and we got him!" But little do they know, he's alive. He's still out there. But yeah, they have full of false bravado. It's just great. What did you learn? Uh, yeah, well, lines, another great line. I mean, that the jerk water you would say line is yeah. one of the greatest. Uh, we, you know, we ain't hunting him, he's hunting yeah. us. Of course, Rambo was saying, you know, they drew first blood, not me. Yeah. What about the scene where he could have killed Teasel and... He spared him. That, that was shocking. He, he just jumps out of the wilderness wearing, like, face paint and just holding the survival knife to his neck. Yeah. And I thought for sure he's doomed. And he keeps saying, let it go. And he goes, yeah. don't push her. I'll give you a war you won't believe. Yeah. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite lines is uh, when he's heading back to town and he hijacks a guy driving, was it a... a some sort of van or something, or a truck. Oh, a supply van. A supply van, yeah. 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 And, the, and the guy looks at him, and then Stallone chastises him and goes, don't look at me, look at the road. That's how accidents happen. Yeah, yeah, that I was mean, hilarious. There's so much yeah. shit going on, and he's worried about getting into a car accident. I and love then he does ultimately throw the guy out, out the door, but still, he, he spares him. He could, have, yeah. he could have gutted him like a suckling pig. There's another moment earlier when he's being processed, which I thought was absolutely hilarious, where they're trying to fingerprint him and he yeah. refuses to be fingerprinted. <laughs> yeah. And again, he's just kind of, he's not saying anything and he just picks up a paper towel and he starts wiping the ink off his finger yeah. and then Teasel comes down and starts browbeating him and he takes the paper towel away and crumples <laughs> it up and throws, throws it away. And Sloan just ever so nonchalantly picks up another one and just starts wiping his finger, not saying a word. Love it. Yeah. I also want to talk about the score by Barry Goldsmith. When we, when we talk about uh, great composers, uh, we talk about your Morricone's, mm-hmm. John Williams, whatnot. I mean, Goldsmith is really amazing. Uh, this is a man, I mean, really prolific. He's composed, I mean, all the way back to like television, episodes of The Twilight Zone, um, the thriller horror anthology series uh, that was um, hosted by Boris Karloff. He also did um, the theme to Star Trek The Motion Picture, Total Recall, The Omen, Ooh. Chinatown. Planet of the Apes, and I think he does a, a, some bang-up job mm-hmm. in this one. The plaintive theme of when Rambles walking to the town. <laughs> a, little, a little more Coney-esque, you know? Mm-hmm. Wonderful stuff. There's just so much in this film that works, and I, the, other thing I, the final thing I learned is that this has broken my forest in Vancouver embargo. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. This is one of the great ones. Yeah, and that's not even the only Canadian reference there. As I noticed... Uh, this is a department store here locally called Hudson's Bay, and there was a woman wearing a yeah. Hudson's Bay coat. And this I this company was too. a this yeah. you know for our international listeners, this is a fur trading company that was founded in 1670. So it's one of the world's oldest corporations, and they're known for these blankets and these coats. And their logo was on there, and it was like, oh my god! Yeah, I felt more Canadian somehow watching this movie about an American green beret. But it was a little touch of the little subtle thing that people would not pick up. But yeah, just. 
great. I was I was applauding in front of my screen. I watched this on Netflix when he's on the motorbike escaping the uh, cop cars, and you know he's eluding them, and he goes into the bush, and he, he he clambers up the rocks, and they're chasing him like these big fat out of shape cops. I was just I loved that, uh, sending me back to my childhood when I wanted to dress up as Rambo. Iconic. Yeah, I would even push it up to four, but I'm gonna give it a three and three quarters. Yeah, basically four star. Great, great fun action vehicle. And be sure to check out our equally four-star, no, make that five, website, www.reallyawfulmovies.com for all sorts of genre film reviews like this. And, of course, our podcast, new episodes of which are uploaded every Friday for your listening enjoyment. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you.